Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. But we believe that God's favorite way to speak to his kids is through his word. And so we're going to open up the Bible today. We're going to go to James chapter 5. You can put a finger there. And then go to Luke chapter 11. And we're going to read uh, seven verses, maybe eight verses today. And then everything I'm going to teach on is connected to these eight or uh, so verses. And uh, the big idea is we just started a series called Builders, which I think is appropriate when you move into a new facility. We see ourselves as builders. I believe uh, to kind of make a thesis statement for this series is we don't want to live life accidentally. I think many people plan way more for the retirement than they do for their eternity. And we don't want to be a church that actually lives accidentally. And the goal of life, come on, stay with me, is not just to get good grades, to go to a good college, to get a good job, so you can marry a good-looking person. Maybe have some good kids, maybe. Maybe buy a good house and a good neighborhood and a good school district. Go on some good vacations, maybe be able to retire at a good age and play a lot of good golf. I believe those are nothing wrong with those things, but I believe that life is more important than just going through the motions. I actually believe that the God's desire is, is that he wants to um, use our life for a purpose. And if you're new today, maybe you don't believe in Jesus, again, you're welcome here, we're glad you're here, but I'm going to kind of come from the uh, persuasion that God is who he claims to be. And uh, I'm totally cool with, with skeptics though, so if you're here today and you're asking questions, you're in the right place, everyone said amen. You got your Bible, James chapter 5, we're in a series called Builders. Last week we talked about how builders believe that God can do it again. And if you missed last week, you can check out our podcast. I'm excited, we might be starting our video podcast. This might be our first video podcast. We got a professional cameraman named Sam. Come on, Sam. Thanks, Sam, for filming for us today. Sam makes movies in his free time, but he does this on Sundays. But uh, no, I love that, love Sam. Uh, but we're going to have a good time today, and... Uh, if you missed the podcast, you check it last week. But today, uh, this series, I believe, is really building, building with belief. I believe the number one foundational truth is that we build in our lives what we believe. We build in our lives that the foundation of life is really found in what you believe. Uh, one great scholar said that the most important thing about any human being is what they believe about God. Because how you see God is how you live your life and see the world. And many people see God as stingy, angry deity that's upset with humanity, perpetually frustrated, annoyed at the request of his kids, too bothered to be in, uh, indulged in the details of human beings and finite lives and families and taxes and, and, and reports and jobs and careers and vocations and education. We believe in a personal God that cares. You wouldn't know by that response. But we believe in a good God that cares. And so today, if you're new, uh, I'm going to talk to you today on on an idea of not only are we going to believe that God can do it again, but I want to talk today about building a life that believes that God can alter atmospheres. I want to talk to you today on on the subject matter, altering atmospheres. I believe all of us have something in common. We've been in a situation that we didn't like where we were. We had something happen that we didn't want to happen. We turned onto a street that did not go through. Am I the only honest person in Orange County? Who's ever had something happen that you didn't want to happen? Who's ever ended up somewhere you didn't want to end up? So here's what I believe is that 
society teaches us and trains us that if you were, if you were born with a condition of anger or propensity towards lust or whatever it is, we, maybe, maybe dad was an alcoholic and grandpa was and everyone gets divorced in your family, society would teach us and try to actually uh, numb us down to uh, the idea that whatever you are is what you're forced to be. But I got news for you today that Jesus offers three words that no one else offers on the earth. You can change. Circumstances can change. Marriages can change. Families, come on, can change. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that today and this idea of altering atmospheres. If you have your Bible, James chapter 5, let's read this together. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, can we just stop there and just say that would be tough? James, why can't you be more like Jesus? He heard that a few times, Josiah, I promise you. Can you imagine if you were sick, trying to stay home from, who's ever been like sick when you're going up, you're like, thank God I can stay home today. Not James. He's got 110 fever. Jesus walks by, get up! James had perfect attendance. Jesus healed him every time he tried to stay home. Well, uh, scholars, many believe that James is the brother of Jesus that wrote James. And uh, we're going to read five uh, five verses out of James chapter 5, verse 13. It says, anyone among you suffering... Let them go on social media and rant. That's what we do. That's not what it says to do. Anyone among you suffering, let him. You're the P word. Would you say it with me today? Pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing some psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the leaders of the church. Let them pray. Try to say pray. Let the leaders pray over him, anointing him with oil, or like last week, pancake syrup, in the name of the Lord. Inside joke. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another. That you may be healed. That you may be healed. Not just maybe improve a little bit, but you might be fully healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails, doesn't say some or a little, it says it avails much. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like God's. Elijah was a man with a nature like, like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. This is crazy. In the land for three years and six months. But then he prayed earnestly again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Go with me to Luke chapter 11 real quick, if you're there. I'm going to throw throw you off a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole Lord's Prayer, but I want to just focus on the first part of it. It says that Jesus was in a certain place. It came to pass that he was praying in a certain place. And the moment Jesus stopped praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to be famous. Teach us how to be rich. Teach us how to be popular. What does it say? Teach us how to... As John also taught his disciples to pray. Jesus goes, all right, if you pray... He says, when you pray, notice this, not if, but when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, awesome is your name. And here's the point I want to focus on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on as it is in. I think many times we have things happen on earth and we just keep expecting for more earth. This is just an earthly issue. But Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. On earth as it is in, 
Can I just ask you a quick question? I'll get in my message. I promise. I'm just saying something before I preach. Is that okay? <laughs> Isn't it interesting that, that we, uh, I, we don't think about what's in heaven? Is there pain in heaven? There are tears in heaven. Sickness? Crutches? Wheelchairs? Tedious work. <laughs> it's not there. What are you praying for, Johnny? I'm praying to get out of school. There's no work in heaven. <laughs> On earth, as it is in heaven. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity today to be in my favorite church. I thank you for this, this community of awesome people. Rashawn, I always say this, but if we didn't, go, we didn't leave this church, we would attend it. There's such, there's such amazing people here. I thank you for Johnny and Vicki, and I thank you for Lord uh, Joe and Leslie, and just so many amazing people that we've met. I'm so grateful for the people that call this place home. I pray today that you would show us that you're the God that can alter environments. Show us today that you're the God that can alter atmospheres. I thank you that you bless the Lakers in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, go ahead and say amen. Amen, amen. Hey, we're going to have a good time today. Uh, how many know that uh, women in here, uh, you got to attest to this, confirm that I'm, I'm not lying. How many of the guys in cars on trips, we don't get lost? Can we establish right out of the gate? That on a road trip, who's old enough to remember a time before phones on your map? And you had two options. You go to Walmart and buy a book thicker than the Bible with maps in it. Or you can go on the internet, which was a new concept, and go to a website called mapquest.com. Come on, who remembers MapQuest? All the young people are wikipedia it right now. What's MapQuest? I remember MapQuest. I remember printing off my directions. You lose those papers, you're lost. Yeah. Going to end up in Canada. No idea where we're going. Lost my MapQuest directions. I love, I love this, though, but for me, man, I don't know why. I think I'm just a guy. Guys live with a, with a propensity and proclivity of just kind of disregarding signage. I don't know why, but I've had this problem since I was young. If it says road closed, I'm like, how closed? Like, it's going to be dusty, or like it's going to be, like, deadly. There's detour signs. I was going to, if I was, if I was, if I was more of a creative preacher, I would have put a bunch of road signs up on the screen behind me. But I was kind of studying this last night, all the funny road signs there are, right? It's like detour ahead, lane doesn't go through, uh, fresh oil. I thought that was a good sign for Pentecostals. I, uh, I was thinking about um, one time, I remember dropping a kid off in junior high school, and uh, we lived in Idaho, and so I was pastoring there, and we, I, I had a Volkswagen Golf was my first car. It was white, because I'm manly. And uh, I remember driving this little Volkswagen Golf. It had, it had seven-inch tires, and it was pretty much a micro-machine, if you're old enough to know what that is, and a little tiny, like, power wheels, basically. And I was driving uh, one of the kids home, probably 10 o'clock at night, it was raining, just profusely raining, and I remember dropping him off, and I could see the main highway I was trying to get to. He lived a little bit in the countryside, and there was a road that went to the highway, but it said road closed. I'm like, how closed? Who's gauging the closeness, you know? So I remember hopping in my car, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. So I start driving towards this road, and um, drive past four or five signs that say stop, road closed, construction, do not enter. <laughs> you know, like, like, these are for other people. I'm the exception. And uh, I don't know why guys are like that, but I started driving by, and I could see the end of the cement, and I could see the beginning of the dirt, 
which I really didn't calculate that after raining for like 14 days and animals were lining up two by two by the ark, <laughs> that this wasn't going to be dirt. This is going to be like deep quicksand. And I don't know if you've been there before, but the moment my tires left the cement, I'm like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> my car started sinking. And I had two choices. Uh, women are smart enough to go, okay, this is bad. Stop. I'm probably stuck. Men are like, let's just make this worse. <laughs> so I didn't hit the brake. I hit the gas. And I'm like, all right, we got one choice to get out of here. It's momentum. <laughs> And I couldn't, it's pitch black, and uh, I'll never forget, it's like, sign, 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 like, stop, do not go any further. And then finally, I, the, the last sign I, I, I adhered to was it said, cliff ahead. I had no idea they were, they were actually building a bridge from this little country area to the main road. And luckily, I saw the cliff ahead sign. That was the only sign that actually got my attention. So I ended up getting stuck, and it was like a big bill, and I think that the tow bill was more than my college education. I, uh, I don't know if you've been there before, but uh, I've learned this, that, that uh, you know, certain roads, uh, I was thinking even like, I was saying this last service, it's interesting that when you're driving, that, that vehicles are made for certain conditions. And uh, like, like, I love cars, I'm a car guy, and uh, I love to get like a, a, a nice, fun, fast, I've had some fast cars when I was growing up, and I want to get another one one day. Amen. But uh, I like fast cars. I like the Bugatti Veyrons are the fastest production car. I think they're, maybe there's a faster one now, but for a while it was the fastest car. It was like a $3 million vehicle, and it goes like 253 miles an hour. And if you go that speed, you actually run out of tire tread in uh, 11 minutes. 253 miles an hour in the stock tires. The tires will wear out in 11 minutes, but you'll never see that because you run out of gas in nine minutes. And it's fast. It's a fast car. But it's interesting that even the fastest, most impressive vehicles on the wrong terrain, in the wrong surface, in the wrong environment, aren't actually capable of showing you what, you're, what, their, what their potential is. And I was thinking about how life has a way, it seems, that you actually get environments that you're like, man, I feel like I'm gifted, that God loves me, that I'm blessed, that I'm, you know, I've got, I have a pretty good understanding of life, talents, gifts, Family, relationships, community. I feel like God's given me a lot of great things. But there's moments of life that you almost feel like, man, I've gone off the pavement and I'm on a uh, terrain that I don't feel like I'm adequately prepared for. I don't know if you've been there before. You've gotten a, maybe gotten to that point that you're at the end of your road and you just feel like, man, there's just no way beyond this. There's no bridge that's been built yet. There's no cement that's been poured yet. And I think many times when we get to these situations, whether it's a medical diagnosis whether it's maybe being served papers, maybe it's, maybe it's going through a tragedy, losing a job, maybe it's maybe going through a stressful season of life. And you almost feel like, man, I feel like my life isn't built for the terrain that I'm currently living in. And I just want you to know today, I love James 5 because it gives us this beautiful picture of when things need to change in your life, they can. That is the paraphrased version of James chapter 5, 13 through 18. When things need to change, they can. And there's one four-letter word. My God, it's a good four-letter word. That he says this four-letter word can actually change circumstances. Pray. You suffering? Pray. You happy? Come on. Sing some psalms. If you're, if you're sick, pray. And he goes, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does that mean? It means that he wasn't like God as much as he was like us. 
He had bad days. He had bad moods. He had mood swings, said things he shouldn't say, thought things he shouldn't have thought, maybe even gave out a few one-finger waves in traffic. He was a man with a nature like you and me, but it says this, he prayed earnestly. Now, I'll be honest with you, I think we live in a society today where we're so jaded by prayer. We see it all the time. Something tragic happens, we're like, man, praying, the emoji with the hands together, is it prayer or is it a high five? I don't know. It's debatable. But we say praying, praying for you, man, praying, hey, praying for this, how can I be praying for you? And many times we just kind of take this as a kind of like a politically correct, nice gesture, spiritual gesture. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I just think if we're being honest, many times when we think of prayer, we kind of limit it to one experience when we're at the dinner table with our spiritual friends and family, and we're saying, God is good, God is great, thank you for this food, in Jesus' name. Right? We pray for the food. Bless this food. Bless this food. My grandpa used to always pray quick prayers. One time at Thanksgiving, someone criticized and said, he said, Jack, that was a short prayer. He said, I live close to God. I, uh, I think prayer can change things. I believe that builders know that prayer changes things. Ian Bounds said that when I fail to pray, coincidence ceased to exist. I think many people, they've actually, they, they say they're Christians, and I think they're going to heaven. But I think that many times they're going to get to heaven and, and realize there were things that could have changed on earth if they would have talked to God passionately about them. One of my mentors said, Mark, if you're praying and it doesn't move you, it's probably not going to move God. Prayer is not the volume of your voice. It's the intensity of your heart. I believe that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed. He prayed earnestly. He goes on, James says, the effective, fervent prayer, it avails some. It avails, come on. Help me out, church. It avails. I think we want much, but we just don't realize how you get more out of life. How do you get more out of a circumstance? How do you get more out of a dead situation? How do you get more out of a seemingly dead-end road? I believe that prayer can pave and build bridges to places that we can't access without going to God. Mark, you're kind of old-fashioned. You're one of those faith preachers? Uh, I don't know what the opposite option is. you one of those faith churches? No, we're not. We're one of those doubting churches. We're one of those churches that believe that God doesn't do anything anymore. He retired. He's in the Cosmos golfing. Actually, yeah, we, we do believe that God still, God. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking about this idea that there's atmospheres in life that need to change sometimes. But I had this picture as I was praying this week for our church. This is what I do in our church is I pray and I say, God, like, what do, you, what do you want to say to the people? And I had a picture of a UFC fight. Imagine this with me, a UFC fight. Have you ever seen anyone train for a fight, <clears throat> get to the octagon, get ready for the match? get into the ring, get punched one time. You ever seen anybody one time get punched and then just literally go to the side of the corner, sit down on his knees, and start tapping the mat? I have never seen anyone in a fight that they train for and they're getting paid for get ready to tap out the first time there's contact. But I had this picture when I was praying that God was putting on my heart that many of these kids are literally giving up in circumstances the first time they experience conflict. Paul says to fight the good fight of, what's the good fight of faith? Faith is only faith if you're fighting back. Are you following me? Man, I lost my job, but I got faith that God's going to, he's going to provide again. Man, my, we're, we're arguing, we're going through stress right now. God is going to get us through this. Prayer is not giving in and tapping out before there's a battle. 
I think many of us are retiring and quitting on things and giving funerals for things that still have life in them. I don't want to bury dreams that are still alive. Are you hearing me? It might look like it's on life support, but God can resurrect things that look dead. He was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed. And all of a sudden, there was precipitation that left the, left the city. But it says three and a half years later, he started praying, and there was not a cloud in the sky. And all of a sudden, he prays again, and he sends this guy like seven different times to go, look, is there any clouds? Any clouds? Finally, he comes back. He's like, look, technically, technically, there's a cloud. But if we're being honest, it's the size of a man's hand. And it could be a small man for that matter. <laughs> so it's not really worth reporting. All of a sudden, Elijah's like, all right, go tell him the rain's coming. No, you, you didn't hear me. You, you, you didn't hear me. It's one cloud, and it's the size of a little guy's hand. He said, no, you, you don't understand the effective, fervent prayer has the power to change the environment. And literally, it's crazy that God would actually bring torrential rain, but it looked like in the beginning a small cloud the size of a man's hand. I want you to think about this today, that even if it looks like just a little tiny bit of hope, I believe that God can bring rain out of small clouds. Are you hearing me today? And I, I don't know why, but I just feel like one of the things we're supposed to contend for as a community here at Oceans Church is to let people know a couple of things about who God is. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I believe that prayer, prayer reminds us a couple of things. It reminds us, number one, why, why, do, we, why do we believe uh, situations can be altered? Situations can be altered, I believe, because number one, God hears. And these are very simple points, but I promise you, they can simply change your life. Why? Because I believe most of us, we don't talk to God because we don't think he hears. I remember when I first had an encounter with God, I knew he was real. But like a week later, I was at home and I was starting to pray and the pastor told me to pray. Like I had, an, I had a real encounter. I felt God. I knew he was there. But a week later, I'm in my house and I didn't feel anything. I didn't have some good band playing behind me. I was just, it was just me in like awkward silence. I was like, hey God. That was cool last week what you did. Good stuff coming. And I'm talking to my house, and I literally had the, I don't know if I'm the only honest person in the room, but I had the thought, am I crazy? Is there someone listening to me? Or am I just entertaining the air? And I just started talking to him, and I, 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 I want you to know, it says in Psalms, you put up on the screen, Psalms 18.6, it talks about how God is a God that hears. Look what it says. It says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God, and he, he heard my voice from the church. My cry came before him even to his. Now, I don't know if the God of all creation physically has ears. I, this is an anthropomorphic idea that God wants you to know that you have ears. Maybe he doesn't physically have ears in the cosmos, but it does not mean that he cannot hear. He is a God that hears our prayers. I believe many of us, we don't pray because we don't think that anyone's listening to us. But I want you to know that God hears. Can I get a good amen? Psalm 77.1 goes on to say, talks about how he hears. It says, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. I think one of the craziest thoughts in life is that the God that made everything out of nothing knows you and he hears you. That is a big idea. He hears? He He hears. And here's the crazy part. If he hears, it's only important if, number two, he cares. Because I hear things all the time. I don't care about everything that I hear. 
Anybody else? You walk through an airport, hear 50 conversations, and not really be interested in it, what's going on around you. But there are times that you hear conversations, you're like, man, I care about what's going on there. I had my, my four-year-old, we went to In-N-Out the other day, because we're, we're Christians. And uh, John 316's on their cup, so I'm just supporting the cause. Um, we're eating lunch, and I'll never, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm listening, and my, my wife's better than me and I, than I am, but my wife has like, this ability to talk to me, everyone at the table, and still know every conversation in the room. It's like, those people are crazy. They're going through a hard time. We should pray for them. Like, how do you know? I heard this father and son talking to each other, and this father was just so, he was so interested in his son's life. The son was probably 18 or 19. They were surfers, and uh, the father was like, hey, and he, he knew all the details of his kid's life. He's like, hey, so is Billy still, is he, is he in your class this semester too? And hey, is Samantha and Sam, are they still dating? Are they still dating? And oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, so what's going on with this situation? And literally, this son is just so transparent with his dad. It was so special. And I thought to myself, my gosh, this kid, if he's not a Christian, when he becomes a believer, he's going to have an easy transition to learn how to pray. Because he's going to understand the value of a father that loves to listen to his son, that cares about his son. But then I started going, like, my, my paradigm was I didn't have a dad I was close to growing up. And for me, one of the big hurdles I had to overcome getting close to God was not projecting the absence of my relationship with my dad and projecting who my dad was into who God the Father is. Many of us don't think that God cares about us because we think, when we think about praying to God, we think about a father that has his arms crossed, scowl on his face going, hurry up and say what you're going to say. Rather than this father that actually is looking at you, Almost I had this picture first service of a, of a college-age kid coming back from college and mom and dad excited to see him because it's been months and say, sit down, I'm going to feed you, I want to hear everything that's happened in the last few months. That is a picture of this God that not only hears, but he cares. And I'll be honest, I think many times we don't go to God believing he can change atmospheres because we don't think he can hear us or we don't think that he cares enough to actually do anything about it. Are you with me today? So what do you know about this? It says he was a nature like ours, but he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly, and it says that the heavens shut up, and then he prayed again, and the heavens begin to bring rain. Here's what I know. Number, number three, not only does he care, this is where I think that would make what we believe here different than a lot of churches. A lot of churches are going to heaven. They love Jesus, but they believe that God hears. Maybe he still cares, but they don't believe that God can. I want you to write this down because I think one of the things that's going to make this a unique community is that miracles are going to happen in this church on a regular basis because we don't just think that he hears and he cares. We believe that he can. Let's say it again, that he can. God can change things. God can revive dead marriages. God can, God can heal tumors and tummy aches. God can do the impossible. And you always get pushed back when you talk about this because people go, Mark, no, I think miracles stop with the disciples. Where does it say that in the Bible? The Great Commission does not say go into all the world, preach the gospel to some people, lay hands on some people that are sick, but only do it until John the Beloved dies. And then when he's dead, all the power is gone. Power is going out in the church. There will never be a miracle again for the rest of eternity. Enjoy it while you have it. I don't read in the Bible about a God that stopped doing miracles. I read a Bible that says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I read a Bible that Jesus says, greater works will, will you do because I go to the Father. 
I read a Bible that says it's to your advantage that I leave the earth physically because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, who's going to empower you. That's what I read. I read scriptures that say what the Father does, the Son does in a like manner. So what we see God doing in the scriptures, listen, the Bible was not written to tell us what God has done. It's written to give us faith to tell us what God will do. And I believe there's one book in the Bible that might not be fully completed. It's the book of Acts. Because God is still acting in the lives of believers today. Can I get a good amen? So he says this, God, 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 he hears, he, he, he doesn't hear, he cares, but God can. I believe that God can change atmospheres. How do you know? Because Daniel prayed and God shut the mouths of lions. Some scholars believe that Daniel was 90 years old in the lion's den. Can you imagine a senior old man in a lion's den? And ferocious lions that actually had no mercy on the next people that were coming into the cave. But did not even go near Daniel. Because why? The prayers of Daniel and those praying for him shut the mouths of lions. There was a prayer meeting at, at John Mark's mom's house. Yeah, there was a church in a woman's house. Get over it, people. God loves, come on, come on. There's a place for women in the church. Can I get a good amen? Some weird theologies out there about that. John Mark's mom was leading the, 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 the community in her home. Peter's arrested. He's on death row. They're going to kill him. And the church is praying vehemently. And literally, God sends an angel to the prison, opens up the jail cell. Peter walks through, thinks it's a dream, knocks on the door of John Mark's mom's house. A little girl opens the door and goes, oh, my gosh, it's Peter. Slams the door in his face. Here's the church. God, spare Peter's life. Do a miracle, God. He's going to die. He's at the door. The little girl goes, he's here. They're like, it can't be. Is that not true of the church? That we pray big things like God's big, but we don't believe him to do big things. God can do anything until we need something done. Can I, come on, can we gracefully correct our view that if we're believing that he can open up a jail cell to start expecting some knocks at the front door? I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you're like, man, I'm praying that things will change. Listen, if we're praying, let's believe for some knocks. I don't know. I just, I, I felt so stirred up this morning that many people, they just think that whatever is is what will be. Well, it's always been this way. That's where God comes in. He does his best work shutting them out the lions, calming the ocean. Crazy hurricane storm. Jesus gets up from sleeping, which you know you're God when you can sleep in a storm. He gets up, he stands on the bow of the ship, and he tells the winds and the waves to shut up. We, we make it really cute in the church, like, be still. The, the actual translation, like, if you're looking at the original language, he basically goes, shut up! And the wind's like, okay. The wave's like, oh, yeah. Because prayer changes things. How long do you pray? I believe you're supposed to pray until something happens. I believe we pray until we transfer the burden. He cares for us. What does it say? It says in, in, it says in Psalms that uh, cast your cares, your burdens on him, for he cares. He will sustain you. Psalms 55, 22. 1 Peter 5, 7, very similar. It says, cast your anxieties on God, for he cares for you. Listen, young generation that struggles with anxiety. What do you do with it? You cast it on God. I saw this really cute video of this little kid this, just this week. I, I watched too many videos. He had a little, like, Mickey Mouse push-button fishing pole. Who's seen those? It's like this long. The kid is this tall. He cast the, he cast the, 
the line and the hook. Let's say the pole, but that would just mean the whole thing went. He cast the line and the hook into the water. The cast went about four feet into the water. And to my, like, to, to the surprise of the whole world, this video is going viral right now. He, it's in the water for like two seconds. All of a sudden it's like, bam. And he pulls it up and he's got this fish that jumps on his hook the moment he casted it in the water. He goes in to reel this fish and he's like two years old. I'm like, this is the greatest video I've ever seen. Never seen such a miracle. It was like Peter getting money to buy taxes. Go cast your fish, gold in the mouth, just go get it. This kid casts his Mickey Mouse pole, catches a fish immediately, and I had this thought come to me is that we only catch what we cast. You only have the possibility of catching miracles if you're willing to cast your line. I'm going to cast. We're going to be a church that casts our line. What if God doesn't heal? Well, we're going to pray until he does. And what if he only heals one out of every 100 people? I think it's worth it for the one. He leaves the 99 for the one. My job is not healing people. My job is believing God to do anything. Are you hearing me? O obeying God is my department and outcomes are God's department. And I want you to know God answered every prayer that we prayed. Two things would be true. Number one, we would be God. Because to get everything that we wanted every time we wanted it makes us in some ways like God. But I do believe that one of the things that makes God who he is is he has the knowledge of knowing, okay, this is in, this is out, we're going to do this, we're not going to do that. Trusting that, you know, my faith is not in faith, it's in God's goodness. He hears, number two, the man can come up here, he cares. Number three, he can. I had this simple thought that the size, I want you to hear me because I'm not cussing in church, A-S-K, ask. I believe the size of your request, the size of your ask, that's why I clarified that. It actually reveals how big God is in your eyes. I think many times we ask God for small things because he's not very big in our eyes. I want to ask God for big things. We, we, we pray, I'll be honest, I think sometimes we pray prayers that like, I don't think we need to pray about that. It doesn't change much. I'm all about praying for parking spots, I do. But I think that God wants to do more than give me a good parking spot. I think he wants to change industries. I think God wants to actually shift economies. I think God has the power to actually reach unreachable people groups. I think we got to start praying bigger prayers. And I'm not just talking about rubbing the lamp and asking God, hey, Jeannie, give me this. Jeannie, give me this. But I do want to prove a point that in Luke 11, the only 12 young guys on the earth to ever have the privilege to ask God for anything, the only audience to have the Jeannie scenario of asking God directly for anything. They didn't ask him for what most of us would have asked for. If we're being honest theologically, the only two groups that ever had this opportunity was the 12 disciples and Solomon in his dream with God. God came to Solomon in a dream. He said, anything you want, I'll give it to you. And you know what he asked for? He said, God, give me wisdom so that I can lead people well. You know what God's response was? He scratched his head. He goes, O.M. myself. He says, you didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for a long life. You didn't ask for the heads of your enemies. You didn't ask for any of that stuff. So what I'm going to do, because you asked for the right thing, I'm going to give you everything that you didn't ask for. This is what wisdom does. Wisdom will get you hungry for the right things. And when you desire the things that God wants you to desire, he'll give you the things you didn't even ask for. 
And that's what's true of Luke 11. He goes, guys, you can ask me for anything. And they go, God, we're not asking for followers, for fame, for fortune. We're not asking for girls, glory, or gold. We want the most valuable asset that we've realized. And we know that when you pray, what happens in your prayer time changes the atmosphere of your life. If I'm being real, we want the glory that's in the city and the miracles, but we don't want the times with God that were on the mountain before that miracle happened. And if we study the Bible, every time there was public power, there was private devotion. I feel like preaching a little bit. We want to go to church where we decorate the walls with crutches. We decorate the walls with wheelchairs. That's, that's ridiculous. Study your church history. It's happened. In Los Angeles, California, my grandma got mentored by Amy Simple McPherson. She had the most innovative church services in the world. Hollywood producers and directors and actors were going to her services. Front page of Los Angeles Times. Go back and read. They built an auditorium in downtown Los Angeles next to Echo Park that seats 5,500 people. They would pack it out. Echo Park across the street would have loudspeakers on the building where 20,000 more people would be sitting out there just listening to the messages because not only were they innovative, creative, and interesting, the power of God would show up and people in wheelchairs would begin to walk. People that were deaf would begin to hear. People that were blind would begin to see. That's fairy tale stuff. Read, read some books. And my conviction is if God could do it then, there, he can do it here, now. So last week I talked to you about doing it again. God can do it again. God is not limited to things like we are. And the greatest limitation that's on God is your belief. Greatest limitation in this room right now is not God. God is a Bugatti Veyron that can do 253 miles an hour. He can burn those tires out in 11 minutes, and he can run out of gas in 9 minutes. Listen to me. The only limitation in this room is the asphalt called your faith. Faith is what gives God a runway to land on. And are you saying that every miracle is going to happen that we pray for? The answer is probably no. But my job is to believe that God can do anything. You don't want to go to a counselor that says, I can't help you. I don't want a trainer that says, no, we can meet, but... I don't go to comedy shows that go, you're probably not going to laugh. I don't want to go to a fire department like, yeah, we don't really have any equipment to put out fires. I don't want a, a police department that's like, yeah, we don't, we don't do anything about crime. And I don't want to go to a church that doesn't believe that God can still heal. Pastors that don't believe that God still can, I think in many ways are kind of like rich people that walk by poor people every day and just go, we're not going to do anything for you. We have the riches of God's kingdom, the power of the Holy Spirit that's free. And our job as believers is to go, you know what? If I'm going to offer some money out of my checkbook to help you financially, I'm going to certainly, if God's given me the riches of his power, I'm going to pray for you and believe that God can. He hears, he cares, and come on, he, he can't. What can he do? He can do lots of things. He can open up Red Seas. He can lead you through the wilderness. He can revive people like Lazarus. He can, he can open up the blind eyes of Bartimaeus that was born blind. He can, he can rescue a nation like Esther and the Jewish population. And I love the story of Hezekiah. You know what it says about Hezekiah? He was a righteous king. 2 Kings chapter 18 through 20, it says he was a righteous king. He was on his sickbed about to die. Isaiah, the son of Amos, comes in and goes, get your house in order. You're going to die. 
which is scary when a prophet tells you you're going to die. Because, like, he's not usually guessing. Like, thanks, okay. So he leaves his bedroom on his sixth deathbed, and it says that Hezekiah leans against the wall, and he begins to cry out to God. He says, Lord, remember me. Remember how I walked before you, how I loved you, how, I, how I've honored you with my life. Remember me. And he began to weep bitterly. And literally, this is what happened. The atmosphere of his dead room began to change. Because Isaiah was walking out of the courtyard of his house, and God says, go back. Listen to me. God changed his mind? I thought God doesn't change his mind. I think prayer changes things. Isaiah turns around, walks back into the room, and goes, look, God told me to tell you that he heard your cry, he saw your tears, and he's going to heal you. And listen, not only is he going to heal you, he's going to add 15 years to your life. Which I would have just preferred to just say he's going to add years to your life. I don't want to know how many. <laughs> That's just me, though. God, God can. So what are we going to do, Mark? Well, Ocean's Church is what we're going to do. We're going to believe that every time we get together that God can. That God can give us buildings, properties. That God can reach our family members that are far away. That God can bring good out of, out of bad. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The word evil, you meant it for evil. The word meant is a, is a word, a Hebrew word that means weave. It means to literally thread something. And when Joseph stood before his wicked brothers, he said, you guys weaved evil in my life. But God is a better weaver. And he actually reweaved it for good. You see, everything that evil is meant to do will not end up doing. <laughs> In the end, God bends even the darkest circumstances in our life for his advantage. I wrote this phrase down so I wouldn't forget it. Let's see if I can find it. I love this. Let's see if I can find it. No, I'm not going to find it. It's there, though. <laughs> and it's good. <laughs> So I'm like, it sounded good. My point is Romans 8.28 promises that God can do good out of every dark thing in your life. I don't know who you are today. I just felt like God wants to change some atmospheres. How many in here say, Mark, you know what? It's a little bit dark outside right now in my life. It's a little bit wet outside my life right now. I'm tired of this umbrella. Can we just pray and ask God to remove the, crowd, the clouds? Can we just ask God to send some wind that would blow the clouds out of this valley? You hear? I don't know who you are. I, I felt so stirred. And I want to just let you know that you're either in a, in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or maybe you're going into a storm right now. Usually kind of life is. Going through a season, you're coming out of a season, you're getting ready to go back into kind of a challenging, stressful moment. I believe that God hears anybody else, that he cares, and that he actually, uh, he can Romans 10, 17, you write it down, I'll be done. It says that faith comes by. Jude chapter 1, I think it's verse 24, 25, it says to build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. It says to build up your most holy faith. I believe that you can build your faith. Faith is not, doesn't come fully assembled. We build it. And I think that one of the greatest things, you, I promise you, you never try this out. This is my last practical thing and I'll, I'll be done. I dare you this week to open this book, to read it out loud. That is the biggest mistake that our education does. 
is they teach us how to read when we're kids out loud. And then when we get a little bit older, I understand why we do it, but it, I think it affects us in some ways. That teachers go, shh, everyone read silently. And then we grow up our whole lives reading silently. But there's something that happens, I'm just telling you, when I read the Bible, when I read it out loud. And I'll be honest, if your prayer life stinks, it's because your Bible reading life stinks. And if your Bible reading life stinks, your prayer life's going to be weak. They're connected. But I promise you, if you get this book, I dare you, read the book of James, five chapters. Read it out loud. And read it, it'll take you probably 12 minutes. Read it out loud. And as soon as you read it, put it down and start praying whatever verses stood out to you. You will turn into a powerful prayer person. Because faith comes by. I heard the word, I heard these words, and I, I started getting this faith. Man, God, you changed the atmosphere. The, the, the storms left. And then he prayed again, and a, a cloud the size of a man's hand came. And, and Jesus said, don't just pray earth to earth, pray heaven to earth. God, there's no pain in heaven. Bring heaven's peace to earth. There's no cancer in heaven, God. Would you please bring the virtue of heaven to earth? There's no sorrow, no depression. There's no perpetual anxiety and fear. There's no eating disorders. There's no suicide in heaven. God, would you please, sorry, I'm getting fired up, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he says, when you pray, pray this way. My father, that's my dad, who cares about me, who hears me. Awesome is your name. You're a good dad. Hebrews 11:6. for no one that comes to God, without faith it's impossible to please God. For everyone that comes to his front door must believe that he is. That he's what? That he's good. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. They push back on those skeptics that go, Mark, God doesn't want to do anything great. He's a rewarder, he says. What's a reward? It's God giving you something you don't deserve. He's a rewarder of those that diligently, not casually attend church. Diligently. He rewards. What's a reward to a sick person? What's a reward to an impoverished person? A job. What's a reward to a person that's isolated? Community. I could get on the list today. God wants to reward us. But what do we do? We got to come to him with faith. He is. He is a, are you still with me today? Rewarder those that diligently seek him. We never pray to someone that has less authority than us. We always bring requests to someone that has more authority. That's why when my wife says, no, you can't have a sleepover, she comes to dad and says, dad, what can I have a sleepover? And if she comes to dad and says, dad, can I have this? And I say, no. She goes to mom. Why? She's always trying to get someone with more authority to override the, the decision. I want you to know that prayer is reminding ourselves who's in control. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.